Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages is based on an intriguing teaching from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. For more details, be sure to get a copy of Kevin's recently released commentary on the book of Ezekiel from Amazon in your region or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. And now, fathers, we uh, come to your word. Pray, Lord, that uh, you will feed us with your word. We continually remind ourselves, Lord, that man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Feed us with food sufficient for us this morning. Lord, we depend upon your Holy Spirit. We have so many uh, levels of understanding, levels of uh, Christian experience, Lord, and no one ministry, no one man can meet everybody's need but we believe the Holy Spirit can. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you will take this word that we share this morning. Though it's a corporate word, we pray that you'll break it up and minister according to the measure of understanding and the level of experience and Christian grace. We thank you for it, Father, as we share your word depending upon your Holy Spirit. Bless it to our hearts and our minds in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Let's turn our Bibles again to the chapter we were on last Sunday, Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14, and I'd like to pick up again from verse 12. Ezekiel 14 and picking up in verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and I will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. If I cause noise and beasts or evil beasts to pass through the land and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beasts, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, they only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, Sword, go through the land, so that I cut off man and beast from it, Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver, deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood, to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness." For thus saith the Lord God, How much more when I send my four sore judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noise and beast and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. Yet behold, therein shall be left a remnant. Everybody say a remnant. A remnant. That shall be brought forth both sons and daughters. Behold, they shall come forth unto you and you shall see their way and their doings. And ye shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem, even concerning all that I have brought upon it. And they shall comfort you when ye see their ways and their doings, and ye shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord God. Pray that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Everybody said Amen. Amen. If you were not here last Sunday morning, I would encourage you to uh, make sure that you pick up the tape because we're just in the next several Sundays, four Sundays altogether, we're sharing a series uh, from the Word as we've been in in the Epistle of Peter for about eight weeks or so. We're just sharing a series from the uh, prophet Ezekiel in this chapter. And how many remember the title of our series together from last Sunday? Everybody say it out loud. These three men. Everybody say it again. These three men. So... Verse 14, let's pick it up again. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. Verse uh, 16, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord. Verse 18, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord. And then verse 20, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord. 
They shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Now, I cannot afford to take the time this morning to review too much except uh, just come to the conclusion of our lessons that we looked at last Sunday. Number one, we said we are living in a Babylonian society as Ezekiel was, but though he was in Babylon, he did not allow that Babylonian condition to get into him. How many remember what Babylon means? Babylon means confusion. So we saw together that we're living in a Babylonian society, religious, political, national, economic confusion uh, on so many areas. But though we're in a Babylonian society, we must not allow the spirit of Babylon to get into us. The second lesson that we learned last Sunday morning was the word of the Lord, that over and over again, uh, I forget how many times uh, Amon did actually run off, but the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord came, uh, but it was getting up to 80 or 90 times altogether. The word of the Lord came, or the word of the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, or the word of the Lord came. And in applying it to us, we saw how often the word of the Lord comes to us Sunday after Sunday, week after week, in all the various activities. And do we really hear and obey the word of the Lord? And then the last lesson that we looked at last Sunday was God's foresaw judgments. This is found in verse 21. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sword judgments upon Jerusalem. Number one, the sword. Number two, the famine. Number three, the noise and beast. And number four, the pestilence. And we saw just as God sent his four sword judgments back in Ezekiel's generation, we see that those four sword judgments are in the earth today. And so they are just sort of a brief summary of the lessons that we learned uh, last Sunday in our first session on these three men. Now, just by way of introduction, we ask ourselves the question, why did God pick out these three men? Why did God pick out these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job? And four times in this chapter, he refers to these three men. And how many know that when God says a thing four times, he's trying to get our attention? Everybody said, Amen. All right, I want you to look at the diagram I have on the overhead here. And we're going to pick up the first of these uh, three men this morning. So here we have these three men. Now, as we saw last week, Noah was a preacher. Daniel is a prophet and Job is a patriarch. And as God is talking to Ezekiel and to his generation, things are so bad in this situation here that God says, listen, though these three men, Noah goes way back to that generation, picks out Noah as a preacher. Daniel, he goes back to Daniel's generation, or the generation that actually Daniel is in Babylon captivity, picks out Daniel as a prophet, and then he picks out Job, who was a patriarch. And so we have the three Ps here, a preacher, a prophet, a patriarch, and God picks out Noah, Daniel, and Job, and he says, uh, the things are so bad here that even if these three men were in this generation, they would only deliver their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. In fact, it is so serious here, he said they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, they only would be delivered, but the land would be desolate. Now, as I said, all these, or each of these three men, are not only Old Testament saints, but they are also second coming saints. And each of these men are used in relation to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we'll see this morning, we have the first coming here, then we have the second coming. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus goes way back to the days of Noah and says, as it was in the days of Noah, the conditions prevalent then, that's what the conditions are going to be like in the days of the second coming, the coming of the Son of Man. And then we find that Daniel also is a second coming man. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 13 to 14, Jesus said, when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet uh, stand in the holy place, let him that readeth understand, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And we know that Daniel is the one that prophesied in the 70-week prophecy as well as the rest of uh, Daniel's prophecies, not only of the first coming but also the second coming. So Daniel, particularly with a notable 70-week prophecy, is a second coming man. 
And then when we look at Job, we'll find in James chapter 5, he says, be patient under the coming of the Lord. Uh, remember Job. You've seen the patience of Job. And so in relation to the second coming, and uh, Job is picked out as being a patient man and a man with endurance and fortitude in the midst of what he was going through. Now, we see that Noah was an overcomer in his generation. Daniel was an overcomer in his generation and Job was an overcomer in his generation. And the three enemies that they had to overcome was Noah had to overcome the world, Daniel had to overcome the flesh and Job had to overcome the devil. The three major enemies of the church, the world, the flesh and the devil. These are three second coming men. So I believe just as they're mentioned in the Old Testament, they're mentioned in the New Testament in these last days and they're pointing to us. All right, now the only other thing I'd like to say by way of introduction on these three men, why did God pick out these three men? Maybe you'd like to put down uh, two scriptures here. We won't turn to them because I want to move into our first uh, of these three men this morning. Uh, put down Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 6. You're taking down notes, Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 6, and uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19. Now in those scriptures, so that's Deuteronomy 17 and verse 6, and uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 19. Now what we find in those scriptures, and this is confirmed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. No, God never ever took one man to be a witness. There always had to be two witnesses. Uh, in fact, when Jesus sent out the twelve, he sent them out two by two. So every city had two witnesses. When Jesus sent out the seventy, he sent them out two by two into every city whether he himself would come. So you imagine the picture back here when Jesus chooses the twelve and the seventy, he sends them out into every city whether he himself would come. So listen to it carefully because there's more, there's more in it that meets the ear as always. Every city had two witnesses. Every city had two witnesses. Then the third witness was to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So in the book of Revelation we see two witnesses. Just as we saw last week, these four saw judgments are seen in the opening of the seals, the second and third seal particularly. And the fourth seal, uh, book of Revelation judgments. So we see that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So that's an Old Testament principle and it's a New Testament principle. Now, I want you to turn over to uh, Matthew's Gospel for a moment here. And we're going to pick up the first man, Noah the preacher. Though Noah, Daniel and Job were in this city and in this place, they would only deliver their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. They would deliver neither son nor daughter. Let's turn over to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. So though we're taking a series from the Old Testament, we're on good New Testament ground because as we said last week, we are not New Testament people, we're not Old Testament people, we are a Bible people. Everybody said amen. All right, Matthew chapter 24. And we'll pick up in verse um, 36 through to uh, 39. Or through to 41, I think. So Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 through to 41. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall it be also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You'll notice the comparative mention principle, as in the days of Noah, as in the days before the flood, so shall also the son, uh, coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one will be taken and the other left. And then the Lord gives the warning signs of watching. 
Now, in the word that I want to share as we look at Noah this morning, though Noah, these three men, though Noah, Daniel and Job were in it, they were delivered but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. As we look at Noah, this first man, the preacher, I want to break my message up into three simple sections here. Number one, the man. Number two, the message. And number three, the movement. Let me say it again. There's very, three simple sections about my word this morning as we look at Noah the preacher. So number one, the man. Number two, the message. And number three, the movement. Everybody say those three points with me. Number one, the man. Number two, the message. Number three, the movement. All right, now let's go back to the book of Genesis uh, where Ezekiel is referring to and where Jesus is referring to. Back to the book of beginnings. I'd like you to go to Genesis chapter 6 and 7 just for your th a few thoughts here. So first of all, we're going to be looking at the man. Though Noah, Daniel and Job were in it, these three men, we're going to be looking at Noah, the preacher. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now as we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and take a few of the high spots here, we find that the, the life and the days of Noah, the conditions prevalent in that time, are just an example of the life and conditions in our time. And I think anybody with eyes to see and ears to hear will see the conditions uh, of the days of Noah in our, in our time today. So uh, there are six particular thoughts that I want to look at in relation to the man. So six particular thoughts. Now, let's just read a few verses uh, here uh, from verse 8 uh, through to 13 of Genesis chapter 6. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You notice the ham is in the middle there. Uh, and it wasn't deviled ham either, so uh, we better get that right there. Okay, uh, that's not on my notes. That just... These things sort of flash into my mind and I'm not sure where they come from. <laughs> uh, so the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth. Now, there's six little points I want to pick out here. First of all, by way of introduction, then I'll say number one, two, and three. I'll be pretty systematic here. Uh, as we look at uh, the period of time here, uh, Noah was actually 600 years of age when he was taken into the ark uh, and uh, the flood came. And for about 120 years, the Spirit of God was moving. So if you take 120 or 400 uh, or 600, what does that give you? How many are intelligent here? So about this period of time, Noah's just a young man. He's about 480 years of age. How many would like to live that long? How many think that the Lord has cut a lot of our years off because we couldn't live for the Lord 480 years, so he's chopped it down to and given us about 70 just to sort of save us and, you know, get us through. Well, maybe, maybe not. But uh, Noah is about 480 years young at this period of time. And his name means rest or comfort. So as we look at this man, 480 years young, we find that the Lord, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Moses, has put down about six particular thoughts I want to pick out here as we look at the man. Number one, the first characteristics that we uh, look at here is found in verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many have found grace in the eyes of the Lord? So the only reason any of us are here today is the grace of God. And the word grace, as we know and we hear so much, if we mention the word grace... The word grace translated in most translations as the word favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace, he found favor. And the word grace, and I think this is the best definition of uh, grace that I've seen, it simply means the undeserved 
the unearned and unmerited favor of God bestowed upon sinful man. Let me say it again. So Noah found grace. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And the word uh, grace in its fullest meaning means here that uh, it's, the, it's the undeserved. So Noah didn't deserve it like we don't deserve it. It's the unearned. Noah didn't earn it. We can't earn it. And it's the unmerited. Noah didn't merit it and we don't merit it. But uh, it's the undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor of God bestowed upon sinful men. So the first thing here, first characteristic about the man is he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Number two, the second thing here that God mentions is found in verse 9. It says, these are the generations of Noah, and we're told here that Noah was a just, and other translations uh, use the word righteous, Noah was a just or a righteous man. He was righteous in his generation. Now, as we go through the scripture, we find that the scripture actually speaks about uh, three kinds of righteousness. And because I, uh, Mark challenged me this morning, actually, whether I would finish Noah in one message. <coughs> uh, because there's so much material here. How many know that the Bible is the everlasting gospel? There's no end to it. It's inexhaustible. So I said, yes, I will. So Noah was a just or a righteous man. And the scripture speaks of three kinds of righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, I'll tell you when we turn to the scriptures, but I'm trusting that you've read your Bible through a dozen times. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 speaks of self-righteousness. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. There is none good, no, not one. So self-righteousness. All right, the second area of righteousness is found in Philippians 3 and verse 9. And this is a legalistic righteousness where Paul says, a legal righteousness, a legalistic righteousness, and Paul says, I want to be found in Christ not having my own righteousness which is of the law. Keeping ceremonies, ceremonials of the law, Paul was a legalistic man, a legalistic righteousness. He said, touching the righteousness of the law, blameless. So he kept all the ceremonies and the bells and smells and incense and nonsense. He, he'd done all that. But it was a pharisaical, illegal, legalistic righteousness. And Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll not inherit the kingdom. So there's a pharisaical righteousness, external righteousness, but internal rottenness. So we're not talking about that. But then there's the third area of righteousness, which the Bible talks about, and this is what Noah had. Noah was a righteous man. Though these three men were in the city, they would only deliver their own souls by their righteousness. And it was not a self-righteousness. It was not a legalistic righteousness. It was a faith righteousness. I want you to turn over to uh, Philippians chapter 3 and Romans 10, at least on this thought here. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. So God doesn't want our self-righteousness, a lot of self-righteous people in this generation, but our righteousness is as filthy rags, a lot of legalistic righteousness, externalism, what you are on the outside, external righteousness, but rottenness on the inside, whitewash but not wash white, Jesus said. Listen to Philippians 3 verse 9, because this is the only righteousness. So when it says that uh, Noah, Daniel and Job were righteous men, what sort of righteousness is it talking about? It's talking about a faith righteousness. Everybody said amen. Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter 3, and uh, we'll pick up in verse 6. Paul says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. For what things were gained to me, those I count a loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or refuse, that I may, may win Christ. And listen to the language here. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. So whether it's self-righteousness or legalistic righteousness, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, 
the righteousness which is of God by faith. I'm glad for faith righteousness this morning. Amen. Not what I can do, not what I've done, but my righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah said, Can you, the Lord, our righteousness. Go over to Romans chapter 10. We have a pretty challenging verse here, chapter, Romans chapter 10. And this is one of the tragedies of the uh, Jewish nation, that when Jesus Christ came, they were so bound up in legal, pharisaical righteousness, external righteousness, but internal rottenness, they didn't want the righteousness of God in Christ. And listen to how Paul puts it in Romans 10. And the same is true of Israel today, Jewry and many people today. Verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now I've broken that verse up in my Bible into three sections, and we can't develop it, but at least let me put the thought into your mind. Number one, they are ignorant of God's righteousness. A lot of people are ignorant of God's righteousness. And what happens when you're ignorant of God's righteousness? Number two, they go about to establish their own righteousness. So when people are ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about to establish their own righteousness, self-righteousness, legalistic righteousness. And then number three, when you go about to establish your own righteousness, what do you fail to do? You fail to submit to the righteousness of God. How many think that's a powerful verse there? Let me read it again, and I've broke the, broken the verse up into three parts, and I recommend you put a line there. That's a whole message in itself. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, number one, ignorance of God's righteousness, number two, you go about to establish your own righteousness, self-righteousness or legalistic righteousness, and number three, when you establish your own righteousness, you fail to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. I submit to the righteousness of God this morning. Amen. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith that the word is neither even in thy, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, not with the head, but with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Noah was a faith-righteous man. All right, number two, he was a just man, a faith-righteous man. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. The third thing the Lord says about him is this. In verse 9 of Genesis chapter 6, the third thing, it says he was perfect in his generation. Now the word perfect in other translations simply means blameless. He was blameless. And the word blameless means without fault. He was guiltless and not meriting censure. Uh, the Hebrew thought is he was a man of integrity. We're looking at the man. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in this city, they were delivered uh, but their own souls. So he was a man of integrity, without blemish, without spot. He was undefiled. He was upright. So the whole thought of blamelessness, he was blameless in his generation. Why don't you put down Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, uh, 15. Philippians 2 verse 15. Paul says to the Philippians that, I, that you may be blameless in the midst of a crooked, and a perverse generation. So Noah was blameless in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23. Paul says, I pray God that your whole spirit 
and your soul and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the whole thought of blamelessness, a blameless man without fault, guiltless, not meriting censure, but a man of integrity and living an upright life, being blameless in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Number four, the next thing that the Lord said about Noah, the man, the preacher, is that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Who are we walking with? Who are we, who, who, who are we walking with? Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 is an excellent verse to put here. Amos 3 and verse 3. It says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? So Noah walked with God. That means Noah agreed with God. How many agree with God this morning? So to walk with God, can two walk together except they be agreed? Also in the previous chapter, why don't you put this down on your notes? Genesis 5 and verses 21 to 25. Genesis 5 verse 21 to 25. Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So Enoch who was translated before the flood and Noah who was taken and preserved through the flood I'm saying those words deliberately, saints. Enoch was translated before the flood and Noah was preserved through the flood. Both of these men, it says, they walked with God. So if they didn't walk with God, they weren't walking with the world. They agreed with God. And then number five, the next thing about the man, we're told that Noah was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Why don't you look with me at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. Hebrews 11 verse 7. Noah was a man of faith. And so we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So a lot of thoughts in that powerful verse there. By faith Noah, by faith Noah. So Noah was a man of faith. Everybody should know where Noah got the faith from. Where did Noah get the faith from? Yes, God. Can anybody give me the scripture? Romans 10 and 17. How many know Romans 10 and 17? Everybody, let's quote it. We should know that verse off by heart. So then, cometh by hearing, and hearing by a word from God. So Noah was a man of faith. Where did he get the faith from? He got a word from God. So by faith, Noah. So he's a man of faith in the midst of an unbelieving generation. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then the sixth point I want you to notice about the man very simple, he was also a man of obedience. He was a man of obedience. How do I know that? Hebrews 11 verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now, God came to Noah as we read in that verse and said, Noah, I'm going to send a flood. I'm going to rain upon the earth. And Noah could have said, yeah, I believe you, Lord. I believe, I believe, I believe, I only believe, I believe, and did nothing about it. But by faith and obedience, the Bible says in James, faith without obedience is dead. And as you look at Hebrew, uh, Genesis chapter 6 and the verses there, maybe you'd like to put the references down if you're taking down notes. Genesis 6 verse 22. Genesis 6 verse 22. Genesis 7. Verses 5, 9, and 16. Genesis 7, verse 5, 9, and 16. Four times in those chapters we have this expression. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded. Noah did all, according to all that God commanded. Five times we're told Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded. He built the ark according to God's commandment. He got the animals according to God's, uh, God's commandment. He did all that he was commanded. Now, as we have touched very briefly on the man, listen to the character qualities he has. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many have found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Amen. Let's say amen and respond to the word this morning. Noah was a faith-righteous man. How many are righteous this morning? How many are unrighteous? 
Faith righteous man. He was a blameless man. Are we living a blameless life? Are we blameless this morning? Noah walked with God. How many are walking with God? Not too many amens this morning. Are you breathing this morning? Walk with God. He was a man of faith. How many men and women of faith here? And he was an obedient man. Now, all those qualities become very meaningful because when we look at the chapters there, which we're not taking time to read, but Noah's whole situation, the conditions as it was in the days of Noah, there's population explosion, men began to multiply upon the face of the earth, there's a lot of mixed marriages there, the sons of God intermarrying with the daughters of men, polygamous, polygamous marriages, they took many wives, they took wives of all they wanted to, uh, the Bible says there was great wickedness there, and that the imaginations and thoughts of man's hearts, uh, mankind's heart was continually evil. In fact, the King James in the margin says, the Hebrew word signifies not only the imagination, but also the very purposes and desires. Every inclination, every intent, uh, intention of human thinking was evil continually. And then it says that all flesh had corrupted its way. In fact, let me read uh, just a few verses from uh, Amplified, which I photocopied here on, on some of this. Corrupted flesh had become putrid and changed from a sound to a putrid state, debased, depraved, and decayed. Uh, listen to how the Amplified says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination and intention of all human thinking was only evil continually. But Noah was a, found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just and righteous man and blameless in his evil generation. Noah walked in habitual, uh, uh, habitual fellowship with God. The earth was depraved and putrid in God's sight and the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and lust for power. And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, debased, and vicious it was. For all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth and lost their true direction. And God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh, for through men the land is filled with violence. And behold, I will destroy them and the land." And it's very significant that the word violence is used several times in that passage. And I, I don't have to insult your intelligence that we are living in a violent generation. The media, the television, the, many of the programs on television, the theater, uh, even children's programs are getting more violent. They're just brainwashing our kids. We're living in a violent generation. So how many realize that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The word violence actually means physical force and crimes of all kind. So in the midst of that condition, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He's a righteous man. He's a blameless man. He walks with God. He's a man of faith. And he's a man of obedience. That's the type of person I want to be. I mean, how many want to be that type of... That's the type of church we want to be. Though Noah, Daniel and Job were in it, they would be deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Now, let's just take a few moments on the second part here is on the message. Everybody say the message. So we've looked at the man. Now we want to look at the message. What was the message? I want you to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2 for a very interesting verse here. 2 Peter chapter 2. And Peter the Apostle, under inspiration of the Spirit, he gives us a verse concerning this mighty man of God, Noah. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. We'll read verse 4 just to lead into verse 5 to get the context of thought here. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, so we have sinning angels, God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus. Greek word for hell there is a special hell out of the three hells reserved for fallen angels. Uh, and deliver them into change of darkness to be reserved under judgment. And spared not the old world, but so saved Noah, the eighth person 
What does it say in your Bible? A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So Noah was a preacher. So Noah the man, and now we're looking at the message. Now, the word preacher there, by the way, uh, it actually means a herald of divine truth and especially of the gospel. It means a public crier, uh, one who gives a proclamation. So we don't always think of this, but Noah was a preacher. Now, as I said last Sunday, some of my concerns that I hear in some churches that, oh, well, get away, too much preaching today. We want to stop preaching. You know, people are tired of being preached at. Well, I'm not preaching at you this morning, saints. I'm preaching to you. Amen. Amen. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So what do you think he preached? And you see, the Bible says that we're to preach the word. Jesus was a preacher. John the Baptist, he was a preacher. He came preaching repentance and water baptism and the coming Messiah. Jesus was a preacher. Paul was a preacher. When the twelve apostles went forth, uh, they preached everywhere that men should repent. And the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But it goes on to say, How shall they hear without a preacher? And so Noah was a preacher in his generation. So what did he preach? I believed he preached a twofold word. In fact, Paul says, preach the word, be instant, in season and in out of season. And as I mentioned last Sunday, what did Noah preach? Did Noah compromise his preaching? Noah didn't compromise to get anybody into the ark. He was a preacher of what? Of righteousness. And everything that's involved in righteousness. Jesus said, why don't you turn over to John's Gospel. Uh, here, John's Gospel. John chapter 16, a preacher of righteousness. And Waverly Christian Fellowship is a preaching church, it's a teaching church. How many appreciate the preachers we've got in this place? How many think John Steele's a preacher? How many think I could be a teacher? How many think we need both preaching and teaching? Yes. Okay. Preaching and teaching. Listen to John 16, verse 8. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Great sin of unbelief. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit, convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And so, the message that was given to Noah, what was the message that was given to Noah? Actually, I believe the message was twofold. What was that message? Let's try and find my note here. I did have it here. Yes, here it is. I've got it right here. I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6. And here is the message. The message that came to the man of God, this preacher of righteousness, was twofold. And this is found in verse uh, 13 of Genesis 6 through to verse 16. And God said to Noah... The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, or nests, or, uh, uh, yes, nests, different rooms for the various animals. And pitch it within and without with pitch, and this is the fashion where, which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark will be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and, and in a cubit thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark uh, shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. That's a whole message in itself. A triune ark. A three-storied ark and the door in the middle. How many know who the door is? So the twofold message that Noah has to preach is this. Coming judgment and message of coming judgment. I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. All flesh has corrupted its way. All flesh is going to be destroyed. Remember the conditions that Noah's living in. And so Noah, as a preacher of righteousness, while he's building the ark of God, and it doesn't say he took 120 years to build it, 
The Spirit of God was striving for 120 years. There was a time element. And so, Spirit of God striving with men. Noah preaching the word. So, it was a message of, of coming judgment, but also it was a message of preservation of a remnant. A message of preservation of a remnant. So that was the word God said to Noah. So Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There would be a remnant that would be saved. We look at the word remnant in Ezekiel 14. A remnant, a remnant, a remnant. And compared to the billions of our earth's population, the church and people that are saved are basically a remnant. Because God has nowhere promised universal salvation. So a remnant. And so Noah preached the message, coming judgment. And remember, that was the message of faith because it never rained up till this time. We're told that the earth was watered by a mist. So rain, what's rain? And you can guess what uh, Shem, Ham and Japheth felt. What's your dad do for a living? Well, he's a boat builder. Well, what's he building a boat for? Well, it's going to rain. Well, what's rain? Explain rain to me. Uh, well, it's sort of drops of water, I think it is coming from the sky. I've never seen it, but uh, I think that's what it is. It's a new thing. How many would feel a little bit idiotic? <laughs> How many would like to be Sham, Ham and Joe? How many would like to be the ham in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> but for 120 years. Go back to Genesis 6. So Noah is a preacher of righteousness. He's proclaiming, he's declaring the word of the Lord. He's a herald of divine truth, a public prior. That's the whole thought. And the wonderful thing about Noah, Noah was a man who practiced what he preached. I think we've all been grieved in our heart to see the news on the television this week of the Tower Evangelist. But Noah practiced what he preached. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but he not only preached righteousness, he lived righteously. So he practiced what he preached. How many think it's good for preachers to practice what they preach? Amen. And Christians. Listen to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. Because the Holy Spirit was at work in the days of Noah. And the Lord said, who did he say it to? He said it to Noah. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. This is significant, saints. There's only two mentions of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis so far. Genesis 1 and, uh, 1 and verse 2, we see the Spirit moving. And this is the second reference to the Holy Spirit. And here the Spirit is striving, wrestling, contending with wicked mankind. So can you get the picture? Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Noah is preaching the word. And while he's preaching the word, the spirit is striving. When the spirit is come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment because coming judgment. The spirit would strive for 120 years and then the end would come. All right, for our last few moments here, I want to look at the movement the movement. So we looked at the man, we've looked at the message, now we want to look at the movement. Uh, many times you'll hear preachers say, and if you hear preachers say this, don't go up to them and say, well look, Kevin Connor said this. Uh, just smile and, uh, you know. <laughs> A lot of preachers say, uh, oh poor Noah, I feel sorry for Noah. He preached for 120 years and only had eight souls saved. Uh, personally, I don't, I don't believe that. Because, you see, if we had time for this, if you put down the ages of the patriarchs here, you'll find Adam lived 930 years and Seth lived 900-something years and these other patriarchs, all of them lived in the realm of about seven, eight, nine hundred years and they were all in the same church. They're all attending, I believe, the church at the Garden of Eden where the cherubim and flaming sword was. So, you know, don't think that the Noah just preached for 120 years as a lot of preachers say and say, oh, all he had saved was his family. No, I believe that Noah had a great response. But, once you listen carefully to this, this is uh, from an apocryphal book. You say, well, why is it that Noah 
and only his family went into the ark. What about the rest of the righteous? Now, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying because uh, I just received some sad news today. Uh, some of you know Ralph Mahoney. His wife just passed away. And it's a year today since we received the news about Joyce going to and she passed away the same day. And it just hit me because of something I want to say to you now. Do you know what an apocryphal book says about this? And I want to give you a verse from our Bible that confirms this. I don't always go by apocryphal. You know what the, Bible sa- uh, what the apocryphal book says, first of all? It says that God took all the righteous home to himself and that all the righteous people died in the days of Noah before the flood came and that God only wanted to preserve a remnant, which was Noah and his household, into the ark to preserve them for the coming and cleansed earth. I want you to turn over to a verse in our Bible that confirms that. Isaiah chapter 57. Listen carefully, saints, because sometimes we wonder why things happen, but this verse has helped me over the years. I don't know why. God's sovereign, but I want you to listen to this. Can I just take two or three more minutes here? I was going to anyway, thank you. I really appreciate you confirming this. Isaiah 57, listen carefully to it, saints, in the light of what I've just said. And verse 1. And if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, mark it, because I believe it has its significance. Isaiah 57 and verse 1. The righteous perisheth, and no man lays it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. I want you to listen to that. Now remember what I said before, and I've got so many things in my mind that I'm not even taking time to amplify it. Enoch was taken out by translation before the flood. All the righteous were taken away from the evil to come, the flood. And Noah as a remnant and his household of eight souls were preserved through the flood into an earth that was cleansed of sinners. Now my words are very weighty because of what I have in mind. So let me read that verse again. The righteous perisheth and no man layeth it to heart and merciful men are taken away. So the righteous and the merciful They perish, they die, and they're taken away. Why? Because people do not consider that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. So I don't believe that Noah, when you look at the generation of the righteous who lived 900 years and so forth, they were taken away because Noah's only about 600 years of age. He's just a a little spring chicken. And his family taken into the ark because Noah's going to live the other side of the flood. So he lives this side of the flood and that side of the flood. So the Spirit of God striving, Noah preaching. And now let's finish on this. We look at Noah there and so if this, what I've said is true and I believe it is, <laughs> that's why I've said it. Uh, there comes a time now when the 120 years is up and God says to Noah in Genesis 7, The Lord said to Noah, Come thou and thy house into the ark. Where's God? When he said come. Where do you think God could be? In the ark. He didn't say go. He didn't say go into the ark. He said come. God's in the ark. So come into the ark. I'd like God to be in the ark, wouldn't you? You And then God says, I want you to bring all the animals into the ark. Seven of the clean uh, so much, this is so low. Seven of the clean in bypass, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, Mr. and Mrs. Giant, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Hippo, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lion, you know. Uh, seven of the clean animals and two of the unclean bypass, nine. So what do you think Noah and his family did? Do you think Mr. and Mrs. Noah said, now listen kids, Shem, Ham and Japheth, Shem, come here, come quick, 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 quick. I want you to go out and grab a lion. Pull him by the tail, zip his mouth up, do anything, and, uh, and grab him and push him into the ark and, and shut the door quick and go and get his wife, you know. And so, Sham, I want you. Ham, I want you to go and get the pigs. Uh, the, the, and get Mr. Pig into the ark, you know. 
And so I will hang on to them. And, and you know, Shem, Ham, and Jehovah running all over the place, trying to get souls safe. I'm sorry, trying to get uh, animals into the ark. And, oh, God, it's impossible. We just can't do it. Do something. There, there's a bunch of wild animals. And the hippo elephant pushing the elephant in. Come on, get in there. <laughs> you know, and trying to get... Do you think that was what was happening? You probably heard about the guy who was bear hunting in America, up in Canada, so goes out in the wilds and he sees this big grizzly bear. He goes home with his gun and gets all frightened and he starts to run. So the bear's after him, so he runs into the house, he says, open the door, open the door. And as he tears in the open door, he says, you guys grab this one while I go out and get the next. And he tore out the <laughs> next one. This is so alive to me, I'm getting puffed out. Now, do you think that's what happened? Or do you think the Holy Spirit moved upon those dumb animals and brought them into the ark? I'm talking about the movement. So can you picture the scene? The three-storied ark is complete. The door is open. And all of a sudden, while the intelligent guys who have been to Monash and Melbourne University and the state educational system, the intellectuals, <laughs> look at old Noah, Shem Amajafer, what a wild weirdos. Look at them all in Wavy Christian Fellowship, lifting their hands, praising, they're just ridiculous. And all of a sudden, all these animals start to come. Come on. Into your seat. Would we, could we have some more ushers, please? Would you usher the elephants over here and the lions over here? They're all ushered into their pews, into their, into their nests. <laughs> Who did it? Have you ever wondered about the scriptures in Isaiah that it says the lion shall lay down with the lamb? That happened here. Because God subdued the untamed wild natures of all those animals in the ark while the judgments came. How many are glad you're in the ark of God this morning, Waverly Christian Fellowship? And you're a wild-looking bunch. Some of you are church mice. Some of you are bear with a sore head. Some of you are ham out. And God just subdues our natures as we come under the preaching of the Word and the Spirit of God and we all came in through the door. No animal looked at the other animal and said, how'd you get in? We all came in through the door, the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you go over to... Uh, no, we won't even turn. Just, uh, yeah, I will. Luke 16. I'm finishing the message. I haven't exhausted it, as you can see. Uh, pick up in verse uh, 26 Luke 17 verse 26 and as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be also in the days of the son of man they did eat, they drank, they married wives they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all Saints, just look at this diagram as we finish our word here. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We've looked at the man and the message and the movement. Saints, look at the diagram as we finish here. There was a period of time of the days in the plural. And for all those years, 120 years, Spirit of God was striving, Noah was preaching, Enoch was translated, the righteous were taken away from the evil to come, and Noah as, and his family, household of faith, godly remnant. But eventually there came a day, a literal 24-hour day referred to as the day. The days of Noah, then the day. The days of Lot, then the day. The days of the Son of Man, the day. And when that day came, Noah was taken into the ark 
the animals under that mighty movement of the Spirit of God were taken to the ark. And you know what Genesis says? It says, God shut the door. And you know what? Not another person was convicted of sin. Not another soul was saved. And the Holy Spirit ceased to work. That was it. Saints, we are living in the days of Noah now. But I'm looking forward to the day, a literal, actual 24-hour day when something happens. And when that comes, the Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with man. That's it. The door will be shut. Not another soul will be saved. Don't go give them a second chance after Jesus comes. It's not in the Bible. Saints, now we have to be good witnesses and be like Noah. Be preachers of righteousness, live righteousness, and witness to a lost and a dying generation. Get them into the ark of God. Everybody said amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.